Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. If you've ever tried to train a new puppy to walk on a leash, you have experienced the massive difference between managing and leading. If you've ever been a new employee in a company where you have a manager who only knows how to manage and not how to lead, you have experienced the massive difference between managing and leading. If you're a leader and you have learned how to inspire, to motivate, to redirect the intentions of people without micromanaging them, then you know the massive difference between management and leading. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I can tell you I've been in both of those situations. Actually, I would have to say in all four of those situations. I've been the manager trying to force people, make them comply to do what I need them to do by cajoling them, by withholding paychecks or creating incentives or threatening behaviors. If you don't do this, you're going to have to work late. If you don't finish this on time, you're going to have to do overtime. If you if you don't do this, you're going to have to do overtime. You're not going to get paid the overtime pay because you've already taken a two-hour lunch. We'll just change your pay, pay clock. All of those kinds of manipulations <clears throat> that some would call management. <clears throat> It's a way of getting behavior out of people that they really don't want to give. Well, that's different than being led. Being led is kind of when you have the free expression opportunity to be who you're supposed to be. And really what you have is targets. You have goals. You have things that you're supposed to achieve. And you have the internal work ethic and motivation to see to it that those things happen. I have to tell you, when you think about the way John Maxwell says it, we tend to hire people for what they know and then fire them for who they are. There is a profound advantage, if you're a leader, to hiring the right kind of people to begin with. Because aptitudes are easy to change. Aptitudes are easy to educate. Skill sets can be taught. Attitudes can be as well, but it takes a whole lot more time and effort. It takes a whole lot more energy to manage a bad attitude than it does to train a new aptitude. It takes a whole lot more energy to manage a bad attitude than it does to train a new aptitude. That's one major difference between leadership and management. Now, I have a puppy. I have a 60-ish pound Irish doodle. Think of a toddler with a whole lot of fur. Independent, playful, rambunctious, always wants to play, always. There's 15 toys in this house that that dog will bring to me and throw at my feet. Usually when I'm on a conference call, when I'm on a Zoom, when I'm working with a client, all of my clients know Sandy Dog because Sandy will climb up on me in the middle of a Zoom call. Because that's what Sandy Doodles do. That's what Doodles do. Because Doodles are high energy, high affection kind of dogs. Putting them on a leash, that requires a whole new kind of training. And it's not just training for the dog. It's training for the human who manages the dog. Because 
The dog has their own way of doing things. The dog will kind of, well, just kind of want to run free. And it just happens to have a leash attached with a human on the end of it. You're not training the dog as much as you're training the human where to follow the dog or how to get them to do what they're supposed to do. And when you put a 60-pound doodle with a whole lot of energy on the end of a leash, you better be strong and in shape because you're either going to keep up or you're going to have to manage them by pulling hard on that leash until you train them to walk beside you. Now, Sandy and I have known each other a little over a year, and we've kind of gotten into a pace when we walk that after about a block or two of a short leash, I can say, in your spot, in your spot, and she knows that in her spot is at my right leg and with her shoulder touching my knee, and we're pretty good with that. After about about a block, we kind of walk with that pace and with that rhythm, but there was a long time that the minute I put the leash on, she was like a fish out of water. She wanted to pull and she wanted to jump and she would spin around backwards and she would hop in circles like a kangaroo at a carousel and it was infuriating. What's worse is when she'll kind of take her moment and she'll kind of get down on her hunches and back up like a spring-loaded rocket and then take off at a dead run to the end of the leash trying to pull it out of my hand. She just wants to run free. When we found a nine-acre dog park where I can just take the leash off and run her, let her run at full speed as far as she wants to go, we were in heaven, both of us, because I don't get dragged around the block, and she gets to run as far as fast as she wants to. She can run laps around that nine acres. It's all fenced. There's other pups to play with, and I can sit at the picnic table and get my work done. Now, what does that have to do with the difference between leading and management? Everything. If you've ever tried to manage people on your team who have more energy than you, have more ability than you, are more physical than you, are more astute than you, are into new things, are into creativity, and you're not a creative person, one of the hardest relationships in the world is a sales manager who was once a great salesperson, but they don't like people as much as they like money. Oh, they'll do whatever it takes to get the sale, but trying to manage other people, trying to transfer that ambition as a skill set, that's nearly impossible. That's like me trying to communicate with Sandy. It's really hard to get other people to do what you do when what you do comes naturally to you, but it's not a transferable skill. It's a personality trait. True story. I've been on both sides of that. I've been the salesperson with someone else who used to be a great salesperson, but they weren't a very good manager. And I've been the sales manager trying to manage people who really weren't cut out for sales in the first place. They had a great demeanor for customer service. Man, they were so detailed. Everything was perfect on everything they did, but they would leave sales on the table and they would leave customers wanting products and services that we offered because they never brought them up because they didn't feel like, well, they didn't really want that. Well, did you ask them? No, I just, you know, I kind of sensed it. Okay. See, leading and managing, those are different things. When you're leading a customer down the path of a a buy or a sell or a transaction, you've got to be able to read what people are asking for. You've got to listen for those buying signals. You've got to understand what their needs are. You also have to know sometimes that there's a question behind the question, and the question behind the question is the one that leads to the answer you're looking for. And if you're only asking the 20 questions on the original assessment, chances are you're not going to get to that question. It's the question behind the question that gets the person that you're asking to answer the question you want. That's a different form of leadership. 
It's not just managing the questions and expecting the outcomes or knowing what to put in the box to get to the formulaic answer that you're looking for. It's genuine curiosity about the person you're talking to. It's genuine curiosity about their needs. And at some point in a sales cycle, as an example, or a leadership relationship, <clears throat> understanding that maybe what you offer isn't the ideal solution, but you can win someone over to your fandom, for lack of a better word, by providing the answer to the problem they have, providing a solution, even if it doesn't come from you. Oh, you may not benefit right now because they're not writing you a check or sliding their credit card for your purchase, but you win them over in the fact that they now trust you to go to the next level to do what needs to be done because you've already demonstrated that you're willing to do that even if it's not to your immediate benefit. That's leading. That's not managing. I grew up in a household with a lot of yelling. I grew up in a household where raised voices got things done. <clears throat> I grew up in a household for a season with a stepfather who would literally throw things at you, namely his boots, if you behaved in a way that he didn't agree with. I remember running across the front yard after he had said something, and I smarted off to him. I was probably six or seven. And he took the boot off of his foot and threw it at the back of my head so hard. I looked like a cartoon character tumbling forward across the front yard after being knocked off my feet. He laughed because I'm sure it was comical looking. But that was his way of managing children. Not leading, but managing. Now, I know I've also seen, and, and I've done it, leading my children to make better decisions. Sometimes I stand by and watch them do stupid things. I've already made an assessment of just how dangerous it could be, just how far this process is going to go before someone gets seriously injured. And I determine, in my infinite wisdom, with whatever wisdom I have at the moment, whether or not it's going to be lethal or just a lesson. If you can decide between lethal and a lesson, always let them lessen. Let them learn. There is no greater teacher than consequences. If it's going to be lethal, you should probably intervene. But being the kind of leader who lets people consequence when they make a bad choice and then teaching the purpose of the lesson along with that, that's leadership, not management. A manager says, don't do it that way. I wouldn't do it that way. You can't do it that way. Here's why we won't do it that way. When it's just a lesson to be learned. A manager doesn't let you get to the lesson to be learned. They want you to comply with their rights, their rules, their expectations to begin with. See, we live in a society today where there's a whole lot more management than there is leadership. And ask yourself this. If leading is leading by example, if leading is a way of saying, I'll do the right thing, and if you model what I'm doing, you'll be doing the right thing. And I'll do the right thing and get the right results. And if you'll model what I'm doing, you'll be doing the right thing and you'll be getting the right results. And if you try to model what I'm doing, but you do something a little bit differently, you're probably not going to get the same results, but you will get a lesson. That's leading. Managing says, I'll do things my way. You'll do what I tell you to. And even if what I do gets a different result than what you do, you will still do what I tell you to. 
We see it at every level of our society today. We see rights and privileges poured on certain groups of people and expectations and demands poured on other people. That's not leadership. That's management. That's me putting Sandy Dog on a leash and trying to get her to go for a walk exactly where I want her to be. That's not the freedom of saying, let's go to the park, and she jumps out of the car, and I put a leash on, and I walk her from the car to the gate. But the minute we get to the gate, I let the leash off, and she does anything she wants to within the bounds of the nine acres of the park. She's in hog heaven. She's doing exactly what she wants to do her way with harm as much as I can possibly do removed from the scenario. But guess what happens when it's time to leave? I meet her at the gate, I put the lead back on her, and I walk her back to the car. Why? Because there's a certain parameter that you got to manage and a certain parameter you got to lead. Now, I do know there are people who go to that same dog park. They don't put a lead back on their dog when they get to the gate. They open the gate, the dog walks through and sits down. They open the next gate, the dog walks through and sits down. They walk to the car and open the door and the dog gets in the car. I don't yet trust Sandy for that. I think if I opened the gate, she would just take off running as fast as she could in whatever other direction she would want to because we're still not there yet. While I'm learning to lead her, my best option is to manage her. I hope you're catching on as a leader to what these implications are for you. There are people in your organization that you have to manage because you have not yet learned to lead them. There are probably people in your life who are trying to manage you because they have not figured out how to lead you. There are places in society where we are being managed by those who don't know how to lead. They just know how to manage. They want to dictatorially force control. They want to monitor and measure Every thought, every habit, every idea, every conversation, every behavior, every outcome, every result, because they don't know how to lead or they don't trust you to be led. As a society, that's a recipe for a disaster. In a relationship, that's a recipe for a disaster. I don't care if you're talking about in your family, parent-child relationships, siblings, older siblings to younger siblings. I remember watching a brother-sister team. There were probably four or five years difference between them. And as they were walking through the grocery store, the younger brother was trying to pick up things off the, off the shelf. The older sister at one point had a hold of his shoulders and was steering him like a bicycle to go from one side to the other, pushing left and pushing him right. She was completely controlling his every movement. His little feet sometimes were going in a completely different direction than where she was steering his shoulders. And when that didn't work, she grabbed hold of his head and she steered him by his head. Look at this. Look at that. Go this way. Walk this way. Stop. Faster. She completely controlled his behavior by holding on to his head. Yeah, you can take that metaphor as far as you want to. VR glasses, earbuds, headbands that read your brain waves. They're out there. They're already in use. Yeah, they're all over the place. They're management tools in school districts for teachers to know whether or not your child is paying attention to read their heart rates and their brain waves to know if they have bipolar disorder or they're distracted by something else in class or they're really paying more attention to that cute somebody over there. Management, not leading, 
Not leading, no, not leading, not leading at all, but managing. Controlling, manipulating, and managing. Totally different things. Totally different things. If you're a leader, I want to challenge you to take the time, take the heart to learn about the people that you're responsible for leading. You don't have to grab them by the head and force them to go the direction that you want them to go. You can let them have the liberty of consequences and making mistakes where they will learn lessons that are powerful and permanent. Don't let them make the mistakes that are lethal. You can encourage them. You can inspire them. At that point, you may have to put the lead back on and manage them for a short time. But for the most part, be a leader, not a micromanager. Be a leader who inspires and motivates because you're doing the thing that you want them to do. You're modeling the behavior that you want them to model. You're not manipulating. You're not managing. You're leading. Be that kind of leader. Our society, our world needs more leaders like that. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.